0: Welcome to the VolleyPod, where we're all about coaching kids volleyball. With drills, skills, and scenarios, we keep things fast, fun, and effective. Presented by the Art of Coaching Volleyball, the VolleyPod is your new source for coaching information. Good morning and welcome to the VolleyPod. Glad to be here with you today for another installment. How are you today, Todd?
1: doing well, Davis, thanks. I'm excited about today's episode. It should be a fun one. We're gonna be flip-flopping, that is, you're doing the skills portion today, so what is on our agenda?
0: Well, today we're gonna start by talking about setting, right, one of my favorite skills to teach young players because it is technical, but it's also super fun when they get it. And we use this idea that setting is so fun and we always say, you know, butter like when they make a great set and they get so excited because actually that skill of setting you know it doesn't appear with the young players as much as serving or some of the other things so it takes a little time but it's totally worth it
1: yeah i'm going to throw one thing to you davis and that is the idea of setting is is so cool in volleyball because it's really something you're doing for somebody else that's right great point you're setting up your hitter for success and it's not it's a selfless skill And that's what makes it cool absolutely and it and it like I said it's technically
0: it takes some time to get technically there right like if you can learn it you can actually do it and it's very teachable and that's one of the things I like doing with the young players but let's get into it so um one of the thoughts that I have on this rationale on setting basically is that everyone should be able to set cleanly every single player with their hands and with location, meaning straight ahead, simple, and with the correct height. I think everyone should be able to do that. Like you mentioned, I also think that setting is the connector between the pass and the set, and we can make bad passes, quote unquote, good. And I think this is really important because I think often we practice passing in isolation, and you might have a great pass that does no good if you can't get a player to set the ball to the hitter,
1: I think you're right on with the importance of setting, and I think it's it's really been critical for even the national team. And you look at all the, the collegiate coaches now, and all the out of system, mm-hmm. you know, setting that's going on, where everybody's stepping in to use their hands, and it's it's a big part of the game. Absolutely, and it can really distinguish a team that passes a two o
0: between another team that passes a two o. If the setter can do something with it. Definitely.
1: How, how do you teach it? What's going on with it? How do you do it?
0: Well, so my big thing, there's, I, I like to talk about five key words right, or phrases. right, And we use these key phrases to help anchor the principles. And the first one is to shape your hands. And by that, we mean to have big, ball-shaped hands, to have your thumbs as far away from your uh, pinkies as possible, and to have your hands shaped like the ball. Okay, so that's simple. First one and we can talk about some things we do to help their hands get shaped like that because often it is not how they initially shape their hands. Yep, I'm right with you. What's next? Next we got retract your wrists. So your wrist should lay all the way flat down with the ground and your thumb should be pointed back at your eyebrows and then away from your eyebrows. So I feel like a lot of young players use way too much elbow and not enough wrist. And we start off training the retraction of the wrist and that is one way to help start getting the wrists
1: working. Now, do you have problems? Uh, one of the things that I see a lot of times with these setters, and I, I call it lobster claws, where their thumbs don't go back to their eyebrows; they kind of wrap around way underneath the ball. Is that a problem? Do you, ha- you have that problem, or
0: absolutely? And that's why early on, I know, I know later on in a setter's development, we like to have sort of hands on both sides of the ball, so you can go back in front early on i just say get your thumbs behind the back of the ball pointed back at your eyes you know we, we use the phrase poke your eyes out which is probably not the best <laughs> phrase but it, it's memorable right and um and then from there they can um use to they can slide their thumbs a little bit under the ball but early on i
1: really want it behind what would what do you think about that? no i'm i'm a huge guy you know yeah your thumbs back to your eyes and and so i'm right with you there Awesome. After you retract your
0: wrist, you're going to extend your wrists, right? And then we also got to make sure we maintain symmetry before, during, and after. So whatever the left side of your body is doing, the right side of your body is doing it as well. Now, I know uh, a lot of coaches talk about, you know, left, right footwork, and I I think that's great. But often that can lead to some uh, uh, mis alignment, some unsymmetrical body positions. So I don't mind left, right, as long as the left side of their body looks the same as their right side. And then finally, just maintain alignment. The alignment to me is this head ball target alignment. So if you want to set the ball high, you're going to put the ball slightly above your head, right? If you want to set it forward, you're going to put it slightly in front of your head. And you try to maintain that alignment uh, before, during and after. So head all target alignment.
1: That's a new one for me putting the head in there with the ball and the target. I like it. So if you, if you review the key, we, key words, what are the actual words when you, when you look at setting?
0: So I'll go shape and that will ask, that will ask them to draw their hands up into the ball shape position. I'll say retract and extend those two to go together, right? Because the wrist laid down and then they extend through and that takes some practice, those two for sure. And then symmetry, and alignment. Those are, those are the, those are the five principles. And I think
1: they, um, I think they work pretty well. Cool. Yeah. And you don't have anything really with footwork there. You mentioned a little of the left, right before, is that something that you start with or comes later or how does that work? So to
0: be Frank, I'm not all too keen on patterning the footwork that much. I know a lot of coaches are, I just like them to run do an air pivot, which is just square up and stop facing the outside, and then
1: set. So I, <laughs> that's what I do with the younger players. So post. it's just basically face where you're setting. It, exactly. And keeping that simple with footwork. Exactly. Well, okay, I like it, I like simple. Simple is better than complex, good yeah, stuff.
0: Absolutely. And so here's some things we do to teach it, right? Okay. So we do a lot of what we call molding, where someone will push the ball into the, the setter's hands and or they'll take the ball in their hands and fall into the wall, which will help mold their hands like the ball, call that molding. And a lot of times we do that with the partner. So the partner can get the idea of what the hands are supposed to look like while they're molding their partner. So that's one thing that we can do. We do a ton of wall work, right? I really believe in wall work, especially for the younger kids. And um, when you're developing the skill, you- Why do you like the wall? Well, I like it for a bunch of reasons. A, it gives you immediate feedback right if you if you're offline the ball is going to go offline right away uh, you can get a ton of reps in a short period of time it can be just you right i mean there's so many reasons why i like the wall um, i have to start using the wall
1: more I, you, you convinced me i'm not using it enough yeah
0: for the younger kids i think it's great too i mean and like i said I, you can tell when you're symmetrical right you know and there's so much so many good things and then i think a lot of people use the wall where they're just facing the wall you can also square up to the wall. You can back set to the wall, like, and we can talk about that. Um, partner lane is also one I use a lot for teacher uh, teaching activities. I learned this one at Stanford. It's just where you got partners. One person is the worker. One person is the teacher, and the teacher is helping that person focus on one aspect of
1: setting. And you just got a lane of partners. I'm a huge partner guy, so I'm I'm behind you on the wall work, but I'm 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 right with you there on the partner work. Yeah, and I think the, the key on the partner
0: one is to have them not focused on too many things at once, right? So with the partner lane, you can kind of say, hey, we're all focusing on shape right now and whatever.
1: No, I think, no, that's, that's a huge point. I yeah. think the idea of single item focus, and I think it's it's tempting. Uh to have feedback moving all over the place. So you're going, oh, shape, oh, extend, oh, alignment. And it's, you know, the kids, it's it's a tough skill. absolutely. And getting that single item focus and can you catch them being successful no matter what you're doing with that single item and then move to the next item, move absolutely. to the next key. Absolutely,
0: and they wanna jump right into just setting the ball, right? And oftentimes they're doing it, you know, clearly <laughs> incorrectly. And so we want to back them up a little bit and slow them down and i also think that that's why i like starting teaching setting is because it it trains a trainable mind a technical training focus if that makes sense yep yeah so i like that too um and then the umbrella the umbrella is where the coach will kind of fan around the uh setter and have them set from different angles
1: yep that's a that's a big one i see uh john dunning using a lot he's yep. always using that and, I think he spends a lot of time, like in area two, mm-hmm. and yep. you know, moving back on that side of the court. So if if they can set when the ball's coming over their shoulder from area two, uh, then it makes it a lot easier when the ball's coming from five or six. Absolutely, and I think most people can set when the ball's coming from in front of them,
0: right? But the really uh, skilled setters are the ones that can take the ball coming over their shoulder, and so I really like that one for a lot of that alignment work, right? and then finally just some footwork work and i didn't mention this as one of my key things because i would i was kind of focused i guess on the hands but obviously creating balance and footwork and like i said i just want them to run and do what i call an air pivot like i played basketball so it's just run and a jump stop essentially jump stop square up
1: i like that air pivot that's a nice uh you know i talk about a little bit with transition footwork uh, but I like you using the same term with setters. I haven't used it there, but I'm going to start
0: very cool. So next on, I guess we're onto some troubleshooting and sort of some common feedback that I would give them, um, the first thing, and we mentioned this in the pre-pod, but get the thumbs out of the way, right? We, you, you called it the lobster claws, right? We don't want their thumbs poking at the ball. And I heard this great quote, um, no
1: two cups, one big bowl, right? Uh-huh. So <laughs> I like it. I like it. So well, that's great. We were talking about external feedback and trying to get away from uh, what we're doing with body parts, which is the internal cues and using external cues. So
0: tell me that one again. So so when you think about both of their hands, right, a lot of times they have a tendency for their thumbs to come creeping up and it. And it looks like two cups trying to set the ball. Instead, we want to get their thumbs out of there and make it into one big, huge bowl. Got it. So I love that one. Uh, No two cups, one big bowl. And then um, I really think that there's often too fast or pokey of a release. And I'm really trying to get my setters to deliberate and sort of slow when they're learning with the wrist retraction and extension
1: so do you let them hold on to the ball a little bit if they're holding on to it where it might be too much when they're first learning i am absolutely okay with them holding on to the ball what are your thoughts on that you know i i like slow in fast out so that is one of the things we we talk about so i'm i'm on in the same boat as long as they're using their wrists and not their elbows that's a great point so if they're using their their elbows then i have some issues and one of the things that uh i play around with is a lot of catching now are you into catching at all just so they get an idea of are they contacting the ball uh correctly or the way that you like them that's going to be, I guess, I don't know, correct always looks sounds kind of funny to me, maybe um, efficiently, yeah, might effectively is a, yeah. a better term. Uh, but do you use catching at all? I love catching, especially for the younger ones where they got
0: to mold their hands correctly because I think, again, all too often they're just pokey and we need the ball to come all the way in their hands, get a big, strong contact and leave their hands on the ball for a long time right so that they have control over the ball and they can actually manipulate the ball when the ball is in their hands if they're
1: poking at it they really can't change directions of the ball yeah i like that with with catching even they can just self-toss yes and i try to teach them how to spin to themselves so putting a bunch of backspin on the ball by turning their wrist and then throwing it high up in the air and having it land in their hands and catch yes and i can tell pretty well right then hey can this player set or not? Or do we have to do some work with how their hands are contacting the ball?
0: Right. If it's rolling around in their shape, if it's popping out, we know that they're not getting the the correct shape. Right. right? And a lot of
1: times it hits their thumbs first and it just bounces out. Yeah. go, oh, that hurt. Right. Uh, And, you know, player abuse. Coach, (laughs) what are you doing? You know? (laughs) Get your thumbs (laughs) out of there. Yeah. So, no, absolutely.
0: I think that one is great. Just self-toss. Can they snag it? it, Can you snag it in there? I
1: like that term, too. That's a new one for me. Snag it. Okay. Yeah, I
0: like that one, too. And then. The, the other feedback I guess we'd look for, now this is kind of after they've started to get a little bit of hands, we call it, but is, are their head and hands connected, right? Are there not their hands drifting to the ball, but their hands are sort of connected to their head and their head and hands go to the ball at the same time. So obviously it's a full body movement, but, but not letting their hands drift to the ball and take the ball in different places, trying to be very, uh, accurate on where we take the ball yeah, very deliberate the, very deliberate
1: Deliberate. maybe in and we talk about the idea of ball to hands and not hands to ball yes can yes. you let the ball come to you and it can be in that same consistent spot so it's deliberately contacting the ball and uh close to the forehead and i think the closer they are there the more control they have and the more power
0: they have Right, and that brings me to this next point. We are talking about the levels, right, levels of how high you should take it. I think some some, uh, coaches would say take the ball as high as you possibly can, Um, but my thought is to take it around what we call first or second level, which is basically right on their forehead, almost connected to their forehead. I think that's where they have their most control. As they get a little stronger, maybe that extends up a little bit, but I think taking the ball in what we call first story, second story, is just about right.
1: I think if you want control, that first story is where you're going to have it to begin with. And maybe as you get more advanced, when we, um, we move a little bit out of that when we start right. teaching quick setting, trying yes. to get, they can, cause they're only setting the ball a foot or two in the air. They can right. start changing around their story, but it still should be consistent with that story, whatever yes. story you're there. But I think for all the beginners that first story is the best. Yes. And the only thing I would add to that though, is if it's
0: first story. And like you mentioned earlier, they're using a ton of elbows. As opposed to wrist, which can happen, like the ball's dropping down too much. That's probably something well. Now you're
1: getting in the basement when that thing starts falling. In. <laughs> exactly. You're not on the first story anymore. You're, well, going down, well, you're going down. You're going down to the basement. It's <laughs> down by your chin, and you got that
0: big beat. Exactly, and, and all, you, you see a lot of beach players where we're at. Yep. You know, and they have a big like elbow drop, yep. and you know, with the indoor setters, we're trying not to necessarily have to do that. But anyways, and then the final cue is just wrists, not elbows. So again, it kind of anchors the same idea. We're really trying to get them to be. To use wrists, and if their elbows extend a little bit
1: naturally because of that, great. Cool. Well, I love the way you teach it. I got a couple questions though. Number sure. one is how about back setting and jump setting? When do you put those in the equation? Do they try those early? Do you w- wait or until they can set forward before you do it, or do you let them experiment? I mean,
0: that's a great question. I, I'm pretty early on with that because I actually think those skills are relatively easy. I think back setting is very easy relative to, um, some of the other skills that we spend a ton of time on. Um, once they can actually set the ball, I think they should go into
1: jump setting. I really think it's easy back setting, same thing. So, I mean, that's my take on any specific cues to just a couple items for or one item for each. When you think about your, your top tip for, for back setting on back
0: setting, let the ball slide to the back of your head.
1: Okay that's
0: i see i don't use that one i like that how about jump setting jump setting jump then set
1: easy as that for, for right. young
0: players i think those are two great cues you can okay. work with yeah cool absolutely so i think I'm a, we have it covered absolutely so now i'm going to kick it over to you for the scenario of the day we're moving on to the next portion and you got a scenario so what are we talking about today oh, my scenario
1: it, the title of this scenario is the post game debacle <laughs> and this goes back to one of my first years at uh the bishop school where i've been coaching for now 27 something like that i think odd years and uh in the early time and this oh i just i just cringe every time i remember the story but anyway it's it's uh i'm trying to make a good impression i'm a young coach just hired there have a pretty talented team and we go over and play our arch rival uh they're a mile away and they're a very successful program. And uh I had just taken over a, a team and we were pretty talented and I'm trying to put in my system and teach. And so we get over there and I'm watching warm-ups, and the kids are kind of screwing around in warm-ups. They're really not doing the warm-up that we went through. And so I start getting a little testy. I don't say anything to them. But I'm looking and going, oh, we got to clean this warm up up. I don't I didn't want to say anything bad before the mask. I, I don't want to, you know, mess them up before the mat. So I don't say anything about the warm up. But I'm getting a little bit testy. And then the match starts and we are horrible uh, balls are dropping or hitting serves under the net. And they just, I think it might've even been before it it was rally score back in the side out scoring. And like we were out of there. I mean, it was just so fast. It was like three straight and you know, it's at 15 points per set. And if they're scoring points in bunches, which they were, you know, I had barely, you know, you know, I could have gone to the bathroom in the time the set was over (laughs) for gosh sakes and then three down and it's like 40 minutes and we're done. And so I'm going, okay, the match is only 40 minutes. I have to make this a teaching opportunity. So I sit them down and I start just going one thing after another, oh, we have no discipline. Before I was watching pregame and I'm naming players and saying how, you know, they should be ashamed of themselves and this is embarrassing and just all these words that are coming out of my mouth. Now I'm just cringing at listening to the words I say. And then, you know, we talk about the match and not going for balls and I'm calling them heartless. And oh, I just so I spend probably as much time in the match as in the in the postgame going through all this stuff go into practice the next day and my team is destroyed. They completely, they have no trust in me, whatever. And it takes me, you know, (laughs) two months and by the end of the season i think i had earned their trust back but i completely destroyed it you know just trying to protect my own ego just stupid coaching you know the more i think about it. now w- when you think about post game tell me about your post game feeling what do you have a r- ritual or routine or what do you do post game well let me first say that
0: the the same feeling you have about the post game i have all the time about the post game i feel way too emotional after the post game and and i often find myself saying stuff that i wish i wouldn't have said or that just is not helpful you know out after the game so i'm, I'm anxious to see what you do to help remedy some of that
1: yeah well so i i had to develop a routine where i didn't say anything stupid so that was and when you say emotional that's what i think you're getting right there so i'll tell you what we do now so we have a a value system that we have that we call eta which is effort teamness and attitude and after each match we get in a circle and we go around the circle every player has to recognize another player in some little behavior that they did, or that that player does, that demonstrates one of those three values. So we say, hey, it's not something that a fan would see. So I don't wanna talk about a big kill where you bounce the ball, or you hit this great ace serve, or, you know, I want something that nobody in the stands would see. And so people might say, oh, you know, when after I missed my, you know, I'm a serving specialist, I missed my serve. I sat back down on the bench and I sat next to, you know, Sally. And she's all, hey, you'll be fine. The next serve, you're going to go in there, stay confident. She really helped me. And I went in the next time and, you know, we got on a four point serve run because Sally gave me confidence. And so all those little behaviors that we try to reinforce and then at the end, after every player goes, every coach goes and does the same thing. So we're catching them doing things right within our value system. I'm the last one that talks. So if there's something that I want to if somebody's let's say, left out and I'm always looking for those little things, um, especially for if kids don't play a lot, we can right. recognize those kids. Uh, you know, our players that are the the top attackers, they get set all the time. They get plenty of recognition. Right. And I want to make sure at the end of the match, everybody leaves that huddle and says, OK, I'm recognized for my contributions to the team, and there's a lot of little stuff going on, and that's that's worked very well for us. Now, do you address any
0: of the issues? That Zero, no, not Zero. Okay. Zero.
1: That's awesome. <laughs> so you just make good or bad, really? Zero. Mental we note. Do, we do all of that stuff the next day in practice. Okay or the next time we meet. We don't really talk about the game at all. Uh, I might I might make a general, hey, you know, if we lose and I see, you know, if they're sad, I'm like, hey, you know, it's okay to be disappointed, but we're not discouraged. You know, right. So I just have kind of, keep, of a, keep plugging uh, away. yeah, I just have a, you know, uh, you know, one phrase that I lean on all the time. Hey, disappointment's fine. Uh, you know, we, we care about this, but we're not gonna be discouraged. We're gonna be better the next time we come together. I like that.
0: That's really cool. You know, <sighs> It sounds like you have some great methods in place. One of the best things that I've done is what you just mentioned. is just not say anything. Like, I would always want to talk after the match because it's so fresh in my mind. And, you know, I coach club, uh, you know, a lot now. And so one of the things is a lot of times, especially now with the
1: PVL, we played four back-to-back matches in the last tournament. Ooh. And so and – Yeah, you can't do my, my routine in club. So my routine works well at the, maybe the end of the day at club. Right. You can use it. But after a match, let's talk about that for a second. Uh, if I were coaching club again and what I would try to do when we were, went back to back, is, I would say, uh, try to I'm always trying to reframe in a learning situation. So, hey, what did we learn? Hey, Sally learned in this situation about getting off the net and did a great job of that. We mentioned it to her. She got better. And let's see if everybody can pick that up in this next match or something like, like that. that so we're just reframing that hey we learned this let's apply it in the next match i like that. Uh, and so there's always this um I, i'm you know one of my little pet phrases now is as a coach we are purveyors of hope we are selling hope that good things are around the corner so if you stunk up the match or you played great in the match whatever's the next match is going to be just a little bit better i love that and and and
0: i i i would add real quick two things on that so especially in club getting them food. I know it's not, it's not really talking about, you know, what we're talking about after the, no, match. it's big. Oh, it's, those are, yeah. Yeah. You, you, you only have stuff. a minute or two before yeah. the next match starts. So it's basically like, Hey, we worked really hard. Let's get some food, rehydrate, clear that one out, whether we won or lost, sometimes they're coming off a high, sometimes they're coming off a low and either way we got to reframe. Like you mentioned, I love this term reframe because it puts us right back in the moment, you know, and got to go play that match.
1: Cool. Well, that takes us to our third section, and I think it's a kickback to you for our drills.
0: Awesome. So we're going to talk about two drills today that I use for setting often.
1: And these are on the, uh, they're on the website. They're on the AOC website.
0: Absolutely. We'll unlock these ones for everyone to uh, check out for free on the um, Art of Coaching website. They'll be in the show notes, right? So all you got to do is click on the link there. And um, I think there are two drills you can use really with any level of, of athlete, Um, But these work especially well with the young kids Um, and we're starting to learn the first is wall setting. I mentioned this earlier. If I had to pick one drill for the young players, it would be wall setting. Um, One of the things I didn't mention, didn't mention earlier was what we call a wall fall. Well, they'll just basically take their the ball in their hands, shaped correctly, and then they'll fall into the wall from not too far from about a foot away. And that sort of pushes the ball into their hands and it's acts like a molding effect. That's right? cool. I'd
1: probably have fun with that too. Yeah, they
0: absolutely, they do. Right. So, and then the other cool thing with the wall setting is you can do all sorts of back setting, jump setting, you can have them square up, you can have so many different things. You can have them dumping and then you don't need a ton of net space to do it. Right. So, um, what I like to do with the wall setting is have a bunch of them wall setting and then have one or two of them in, um, in the umbrella. You know, so,
1: oh, okay. So now you have a couple stations. Yellow so the stations. wall is a station. Yeah.
0: at Ab- wall walls, a station. Wall Umber- a station. Umber- All right. Station. I like it. More reps, Absolutely. more reps. Okay. Very cool. And then the next one is split court doubles, like narrow court doubles. And you may be asking, well, how is playing doubles a setting drill? Well, it's a setting drill because we focus on setting. You know, we may do a catch, you know, catch, toss to themselves set. We may do a catch in the actual shape hold it for a second and then and then set depends how you know uh, what level they are but with the younger ones that catch
1: and set is is really wonderful and i think it helps oh uh, the, the split court doubles is great because you can teach everything as long as you're disciplined with your feedback right and you say okay all my feedback is going to be on setting and if they hit the ball under the net i'm not going to say a word. Right. Uh, we're just going <laughs> to talk about setting that's tough that's tough for me it is. to stay focused so what we like to do with that one is is
0: is really simple if you win the rally you stay on but the only way to score a point is to locate a set. Simple stuff like
1: that, Okay, all right.
0: Pretty cool, so those are my two drills. And so now I'm gonna kick it back to you for some resources.
1: My resource of the pod is my buddy Jim Stone. Awesome. And Jim Stone, uh, that guy is, He's a content producer a and man. Jim is the uh, former coach at Ohio State University, has a bunch of material on the AOC website Art of coaching website and the, the one I like the best are the the quick tips. I don't know if you've seen yep. them. They're all about two minutes. I can show them to my team and not say anything just say, hey, look at this. Look at this posture. This is what we're copying and then put them right out on the court after they see it. So he's got a bunch of quick tips. and. He has his own little gig now called Jim mm-hmm. Consulting. So yes. he has a blog. Uh, he's got a bunch of good stuff there. He's got a book out that's a, a great book. Um, the book has uh, video clips in it. Uh, so jimstoneconsulting.com. Uh, okay. uh, check that out. You'll love it. Yeah, and I've seen a bunch of his stuff.
0: It is absolutely top-notch, high-level, interesting man. And he's done a high-level winning
1: too. well no he was the coach of our girls national team the 18 and under team for a number of years won gold medals with them yeah. uh, so i think and you know he's a teacher yes. and so he's not just a coach who's hey we're in advanced systems and we're doing things that i can't relate to with let's say my high school jv or something like that all his stuff is a- applicable to a bunch of different levels so yes.
0: I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan absolutely so we covered a lot of great stuff
1: in this pod Davis was awesome. Awesome, good stuff today. I, I learned a lot about setting, uh, and now uh, I look forward to our next one.
0: Absolutely, and 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 hey, maybe the uh, the next uh, post game debacle won't be as much of a debacle.
1: No, <laughs> no, no more post game debacles. <laughs>